Now, the Maori have a proverb that goes something like this, is the way to walk into the future is to walk into it backwards. When I first heard it, I wondered what that was about. The Maori have a proverb, the way to walk into the future is to walk into it backwards. But I remembered years ago when I was fishing in, out from Kaitaia and we were just in a 14-6 tinny, we were going along and we, could, we were going out to some islands and there were two of us and we could see sea fog that we were just shortly going to go into. And so I, I, I got into the, I swung myself around in the centre seat of the little tinny and I, I faced the back so that I could see the, um, the stream that was coming out off the outboard so that when we got into the sea fog, I would be able to know whether Craig was steering the boat in a directly straight line or not in it. And if you're wondering about what the future of the church is, it's like that. The best way is to be able to look at the recent past and see the direction that the church is actually going in. Because there's so many things that we could highlight, but actually the things that God's put his hand on are going to continue to go on into the future. And so each one of these people is just going to take a minute or two and just share really briefly about an aspect of the church's life. Steve, let me hand over to you. Okay, he's given me the mic, it's dangerous. Anyway, hey, first up, the building project, and obviously we had the completion of the auditorium in February of this year. So many of you were involved, so I'm not actually going to mention any names, but it was an amazing journey how God provided. We have a lengthy, lengthy claim process, a lot of people involved in that. I guess the highlight for me, and, and, and you guys may or may not share this, is when we had to do the seats ourselves, it was to save us $14,000 and to see 40 or 50 people in this auditorium on any given night, and we had some problems, we had a core team and did a lot of work, but to see so many of you actually helping out to actually get these seats correct, sort out the technical issues, was just incredible. God provides the money, God made things happen, and God made people turn up on that night and those nights, and that probably took about two or three weeks. That was an amazing journey to complete something that... Honours God in everything that we do. Morning. Does it concern you that John was on a tinny out in the ocean? <laughs> That's not what I'm here to talk about. Um, icons. Um, there's two things I really want to highlight about icons that have, have really um, stood out for me in the last couple of years. Boys Icons has been going for just over two years now, and the girls started at the beginning of this year, so they've been going a year. First thing that really stands out to me is the way in which it has bridged church and community. It's, it's given us a relationship with a whole lot of people in the community that previously were connected to the, a lot of them connected to the trust, but not necessarily connected so much to the church. And, and we've got some brilliant relationships. And part of that happened on last weekend, and I, I hear that you all prayed in the service. I really, really appreciate that. Um, we've had some really amazing conversations with people um, a number of them have said that they're interested in, in coming along to church at some point. Um, we've had people saying, you know, this is the best holiday that my kids and I have ever had. Uh, and just some really good conversations around family life and parenting. Um, people saying, I, I always thought I was the only one with this problem with my child or my children. And to actually sit in a really relaxed environment and chat was, was great. The second thing that stands out to me kind of echoes a bit of what Steve said, and that is the participation of the church. Now there's, there's a number of us who are leaders in the program, run the program, um, run activities, all that sort of stuff. But there's a whole lot of people who've got behind us in many other ways, from making salads, making desserts, uh, sponsoring people to get to camp, 
um, things like that. And in fact, just on the camp thing again, the exact number of people who offered sponsorship matched exactly the number who needed it. And for, for a couple of those families, they normally would have been able to afford it themselves, but a big bill had come up within a week or two of camp happening. And God foresaw that. And that uh, gives me goosebumps every time I talk about it because it shows me that God's gone way ahead of us. He knows what's going to happen, and he's already provided. Brilliant. Brilliant. Hi, guys. Thank you for coming today. I've got, um, I better stick to my page or I'll be 20 minutes. Um, I've just got to talk about prayer. Uh, in our church over the last year. There's many prayer meetings. Um, I'm really, I mean, the, the, one of the many things I love about this church is, can you hear me? Yeah. Uh, it's really passionate about, the leadership's really passionate about prayer. And uh, I, that, that passion, I've caught that passion. And, um, and, you know, it's really changed my life. This, you know, just a, a deeper walk in prayer. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, a deeper relationship with God, just taking me to, you know, it's taking me to places of freedom and, and liberty I never dreamed possible. God especially loves us talking to him. And he loves it when we talk back to him. What did I say then? <laughs> God especially loves us talking to him. He loves talking back to us. And the more we listen and obey him, our friendship with him gets deeper and deeper until we become best friends. And the overflow, the benefits, wow, the overflow of our friendship with God makes all our relationships richer and deeper. Wow, I could stop there, but I've got a bit more. <laughs> For me personally, the Sunday morning and night prayer meetings, which I regularly come to, um, have ramped up to a whole new level of God's presence and favour and blessing because he loves it when we pray together. So if you can only make it for five or ten minutes to any of our prayer meetings, but especially the Sunday morning and night, <laughs> please come because you being there can lift his presence to another whole new level. That's how important and valuable you are. And the benefits of being in God's presence are amazing. You know, we've noticed there's an increased occurrence of miracles, healing, salvations, receiving spot-on words from the amazing preaching, spot-on words from prophecy and prophetic songs. Finally, <laughs> finally, and when we pray and it brings God's presence, in his presence is the fullness of joy. So, so in our prayer meetings, when you come along, be prepared to get happy and joyful and have fun. Yes, I'm done. Amen. I've been invited to talk about Seb and the work he's been doing with the youth group. And since he's come here, we've had growth in numbers, but also a growth in just the environment of going after God. And Seb's an awesome guy, and it's been a pleasure getting to know him, but that's not the thing he's brought to the role. We've had plenty of awesome people 
running the youth group, the thing he's brought is a time, it's the time. Time to spend with God, time to put into the youth group. And yeah, I really just want to thank him for opening up that time and thank God for what he's done through that time. And I want to speak about um, one of our other new um, employees uh, for this year is, is Deborah. Um, we prayed long and hard for her, for someone to be able to come and stand on the shoulders of all of our previous um, church managers who just have done a fantastic job. And Deborah has brought to the role here um, creativity. Um, just she's action girl she gets an idea she just goes for it it's amazing it's great and she loves um, uh, making sure she gets the absolute best deal out of everything that she can so she is saving us lots of money she is fantastic and she's got a great eye for um, uh, both the creative but also people who are able to actually add into the house and look after them and be a part of her team. So we're just so blessed to have her with us. I'm going to be talking about um, Kelly, Kelly Penny, who's recently joined us in the marketing side and social media, and she has been an absolute blessing. She has got the most incredible creative ideas. Um, she is spiritually on fire, which is just fantastic. And we work really well together, bouncing ideas. And if you just let us loose, I don't know what we would do, but yeah. <laughs> and the other person who has just been phenomenal who's joined is Tony, who is our maintenance and groundskeeper. And he has made an incredible difference. Um, I don't know what we actually did in the facilities before him. He has helped in all areas. And every day I learn he's got a new talent from being a plumber to a painter to you name it, he can fix it. And if he doesn't know how to fix it, he'll go YouTube videos and learn about it. And the next day he'll be able to do it. He is phenomenal. And um, I'm just so grateful that we are blessed to have him. Thanks. How's it going? Um, I get the chance to talk about the light party. And this year was my first light party I've ever been to. Um, had the general gist of what it was going to be like going into it, but I had no idea of the scale. Um, a scripture it sort of reminded me of is um, Matthew 5.15, and if you have a lamp, you don't put it under the bowl. And we have Jesus Christ, the light of the world, and we just let it shine so greatly on that night. Um, it was amazing. I know there was multiple people who were prayed for. Um, the gospel was shared, shared in a... Um, in a really gentle but powerful way. And it was the whole body of Christ got together and each one bringing their own individual gifts, whether it was the worship team, um, other people in different service areas, Seb with face painting. <laughs> <laughs> and that sort of, the body of Christ coming together in unity is a really powerful statement. Yeah. Um, I thought I might just share a wee bit about my own testimony. Um, a part of it, before I came to faith in Jesus Christ, um, I had a lot of preconceived ideas about what Christians were like. And it wasn't until I met actual Christians that I realised that my, um, my preconceived ideas were totally wrong. They were totally counter to what the gospel is. So I just want to acknowledge that any sort of message of Christ in any um, meeting of Christians, there's seeds that are sown there. 
I just think it would be great if um, in your own quiet time if you could pray that we acknowledge the seeds have been planted, pray that people would water them and admit that God is going to make it grow. Hi, I'm Ginny, manager of Neighbourhood Trust. August this year, August this year, there were 2,332 people enrolled for a Neighbourhood Trust programme that only ran for 10 days. What was it? I'm so glad you actually said it. I was worried in case somebody would say it. <laughs> okay, so we have Parenting Week. And Parenting Week is a, an amazing thing that we do every couple of years. It can be a logistical nightmare, but by God's grace, this year, with 36 events spread from New Brighton to Burnside, from Rickerton to Belfast, from Linwood to St Albans, from Parklands to Rolleston, all around the place, it was actually quite easy. And why was it easy? Well, I believe it's God's grace on it and blessing because he fully resourced it with funds. He gave us a fantastic coordinator in Lee Arthur and he gave us 35 amazing partners to run these 36 events. And by partnering with Toolbox, Toolbox team and Parenting Place, it meant that we had more faith-based speakers than what we've ever had before. And what Ryan was talking about, about seed planting, this is what we do in Parenting Week. We plant seeds and we make relationships with people who we're continuing on talking with. So as a result of those 2,332 people, <laughs> we now have some other programs that are continuing to run on, some, place, some, um, some that they've requested, like the Family Law Night that's coming up in December. So we're continuing that relationship with some of those people who have come from our more local area. Mm. So last year, I felt God say to me, I want you to go to Bethel. And I didn't really know anything about Bethel at the time. But consequently, 12 of us in June this year went over to Bethel in Reading, California. And God's favour was on us. You know, it's a church which is really going after bringing God's kingdom down to earth. And we, we had meetings with people we never thought were possible and we got um, some inspiring um, insights into how we can do things. We, we had an incredible impact of God's presence and prophetic over our lives and we were able to bring that back. And I think that everyone would agree that we've seen an increase of God's presence, we've seen some shifts in what we do as a church because of that time and it was all just uh, following a prompting, God saying, I want you to go. Well, you don't know. Um, SABC Healing Rooms. Oh, I'm Karen. <laughs> Karen and Mark. I'm oh, Mark. We, we direct the Healing Rooms at SABC. And we've just come to the end of our fourth year. We've, over 300 guests have been prayed for during those four years, and many have told us they were healed or they noticed significant improvement. Just a testimony or two, this year a guest came with a diagnosis of a tumour and a cyst. Um, they came for prayer. Uh, the following month the guest came again and said, great news, after having a scan there was no sign of the tumour. Wow. You can be happy about that. I was. 
but we continue to believe with that person as they progress through the medical treatment and monitoring process. We're not afraid of people having medical treatment. It's not second-hand healing. We just want people to get healed. Another guest came this year with a condition that has no medical remedy. And as the team have prayed, we have seen visible and distinct improvement as the team prays and the person is touched by the peace and presence of God. When we gather as a team at the end of each morning, um, we share stories. Um, we hear about people who have left feeling the tangible peace and presence of God, that their pain's gone, that the heaviness is gone, hopes restored, that they've really felt the love of God. And, and God chooses to manifest love through the prayers of ordinary believing believers like you and me. And it's a privilege to join in what God is doing. For those of you who may not know, the healing rooms here at SABC have become something of a, of a nursery from which other healing rooms have started up. And people have moved out and started, and there's now healing rooms in three other locations, Southwest Baptist, New Brighton, and Rangiora. And we have noticed that this year, quite a few people have found us by Googling, doing a Google search on the internet. Um, and finally, we just want to say thank you to the church leadership here and our, our board, Jeanette and Elizabeth, uh, for supporting us and also to the church here for making the venue available to us so that the healing rooms can happen. Thank you. Good morning, church. I'm Trudy. I just want to share a story with you this morning. Uh, a few Sundays ago, I was just running late as usual and I had during the service what I can only describe as a Holy Spirit stomachache and God planted a word in me that was so clear that I felt I needed to share with the church that day. So uh, I took a risk and I went and had a chat with John and he asked me to share and my knees were trembling and my heart was racing and my mouth was dry, a bit like now. And the thing was, God gave me something to encourage others that day and there's nothing more amazing than that when God uses you. So if I rewind a little bit, uh, in 2016 I did the Firestarters course and... God showed me three things that have dramatically changed my walk with him over the last year. The first thing is that God is good, God loves me, and God wants to be in a relationship with me. The second thing is that I am God's daughter and I have authority under God's name and power to access his kingdom here on earth. And because of these two things, I'm compelled to partner with God in my life and walk with him and use the power of the Holy Spirit to pray, to heal, to prophesy, to encourage and to love. So how has this changed my life? I now spend time with God, just being instead of doing. I know I'm his daughter and I access his power and authority. And when opportunities arise, like a few Sundays ago, I take them, I pray, I prophesy, I heal, I encourage and I love. 
So life's the journey and I'm at the beginning of this spiritual journey with God. I should have L plates on. <laughs> but God is a safe pair of hands. And I'll just end this by saying in 2018 there'll be another fire starters course. And in fire starters they say J-D-I. Just do it. I was panicking that we wouldn't have enough time, but because of the run sheet, I've been stop stop watching it. I've got ten minutes, so <laughs> <laughs> I won't do that to you, John. I'm I'm John Scott, and um, I'm involved with the Ramp Up team. And I just want to give a big thank thank you to my wife and uh, to the to the Ramp Up team, and to a lot of you people here that support us in the church. Um, we've just come back from our thirteen. Um, Sorry, it's the 13th trip that we've been over there. Um, we've spent five weeks uh, just doing some construction course. Uh, we did, um, we taught in the, in, the, in the YWAM base and we had eight students and they, uh, they came from Fiji, Samoa um, and PNG and I think that was all the different nationalities but Lots of other nationalities sort of hung around, but that was the main ones we were teaching. We stuck a top story on a building that we'd started about a year and a half ago, and they finished the roof just last week since we've been home. Um, so those people will go on. Some of them have already been overseas. Some of them have come back um, on mission trips, and, and they're basically training up missionaries there, so we're just a part of their training. Leslie... Clark came over with us for a couple of weeks and um, he did some building, um, he did a little bit of uh, maintenance and that on there and he also did quite a lot of painting and the people were really appreciative of that and that's something that I'm wanting to carry on with. There's obviously a real need for um, doing some sort of like, uh, I don't know, mission tourism sort of thing there where we just go and we do some work and then we go and do a, um, a bit of a tour around the island. And Leslie, I think, really enjoyed it. Have a talk to him about that. And John also said about how it impacts on lives. And I just there's many, many people we could talk about, but I just chose to talk about one, one, one young lady. Um, her name's Teresa. And we've known her for about five years. Her story is uh, pretty tough, but um, an interesting young lady. But uh, she was um, a boxer when she was at school and she took out lots of championships with different countries. Um, she became a gang leader because she sort of went off the rails a bit. And she was the only girl in the gang, but she was a leader. Um, so she's done five, uh, she's done a few construction courses and different stuff with us, canoe construction. And obviously there's a lot of, a lot of people put a lot of stuff into these lives, so it's only just, we're only just a little bit of it. But now, she, when I arrived back, she had just finished a, um, installing 22 different water tanks in about three different villages, giving the first lot of water to the people. Um, and she was, once again, she's a gang leader um, of an all-guys team. And, um, sorry. Yeah, it's just how God can change lives and... Uh, and now she's now she's leading another gang, and it's and it's all about God. So it's just huge what's happened in her life. Yeah. So thank you.
Hey, can we just say thank you to these folks, but also thank you to the Lord in the way that we normally do, eh? Let's just give God a big, a big clap for the amazing things that he's been doing. This is, yes, thank you. <laughs> um, it's incredible, eh? Because all over the church, there's things popping up, there's stories, there's, there's happenings, there's people organizing teams, there's cell groups taking place. There's care. Um, it, it's, a, it's a fantastic thing. When we look at the year ahead, there's going to be more. There's just going to be more. But you know what? Most of it won't happen because the leadership says we should do this. It'll happen because the true leader says, I've got an idea for you. And it percolates in your heart. And I want you to actually just pick up that and to, and to begin to follow it. One of the prophetic things that um, has been spoken over this church is that there will be, um, this will be a, a place of healing. And we've been praying and we've been tentatively stepping out into trusting and believing. And then we've been seeing people getting healed. Um, but I realized that in the last four years, because there was a time when we believed all this and we prayed, but we saw no one healed. Yeah. Well, maybe we saw one. <laughs> but I can't remember who that was. That was a joke. Anyway, um, there was a time when almost nothing was happening. But four years ago, um, nine of us went to a seminar run by Randy Clark. And, and I remember back in 1987, it was prophesied over Randy Clark that he would travel the world and he would release healing wherever he did. And something was um, imparted into the nine of us and it began to see a release of healing within. Now, at the same time, we've also seen people pass on and die. And there's, there's unknowns, there's mystery in what, we're, what we are actually beginning to embrace. But as I've realized that we haven't, um, I've, I haven't taught into healing almost at, at all, mostly because I'm a novice, and I don't think he, um, theory is necessarily the way to actually um, see this grow and develop. So I've invited John Ferguson next year in May to come, and we're going to have a, um, a, a school, if you like, or a, some definite thorough sessions with John where, where he will be imparting um, some of his knowledge of healing, which is much, much more than mine, um, into us. Because I, I believe that this is part of our destiny. It's in our DNA now. I'm just amazed, Mark and Karen, that... Um, you guys, for what you've done, you've gone into territory that just doesn't exist, and you've made it exist by starting healing rooms. You know, there, was, there were no healing rooms in Christchurch when you came and had the vision to start it, were there? And now you say there's four, and, and there won't remain four, it'll become more than that. And God selected us as a little church in the city here and said, I'm going to open up something that will enable my will and my plan to go to a whole nother level and another level and another level as well. Just one more thing for next year, and that's Jeanette, because some of our things are within the country here, but like John, we have other things that are, take us overseas. And so, Jeanette. Hi. Well, I had the privilege of going to um, Los Angeles in April this year to have a seminar on Song of Solomon, on the love of God. And being a task-oriented person, some of you might know that um, it's an area that's lacking in my life. <laughs> um, 
And I'm pray- I was challenged to pray at that seminar. Pray that God will make you the most loving person there is. So you can pray that for me. <laughs> I believe God is doing that. But um, while I was there, God really challenged me to be willing to take this message to the tie. And um, I just want to read this. Every part of you is so beautiful, my darling. This is Jesus speaking to every one of us. Perfect your beauty without flaw within. Now you are ready, bride of the mountains, to come with me as we climb the highest peaks together. Come with me through the archway of trust. We will look down and together we will wage war. And learning to experience the love of God is not just for ourselves. It's to be willing to take it to the places in the world where there's no love. And I have tried to share the Song of Solomon with Thai in the past. And Buddhism, the root of everybody in Thailand, is very no touchy-feely, no uh, emotions. And so they can't stand it. They think it's very sexual and very sinful. And I, when God said to me, take this to Thailand, I said, well, God, you'll have to do a miracle because the Thai won't receive it. And I came home and tried it with a couple of my Thai friends. And they basically experienced the love of God and texted me and said, well, we want more. And I've been amazed at what God has done. So I'm going very much, there's nothing in Thai, I'm going very much led by the Spirit of God, stepping out in faith, going through the archway of trust, knowing that every human being in the world needs to know that they're loved, that they're special, and um, to experience the love of God. So I'd appreciate prayer. I'm going for a month, January the 18th, to the churches and pastors that I've helped to plant in the past. And I'm expecting to see an amazing move of God. So I'll be praying for that. That's part of what, um, what God has for us. Jeanette said something really interesting. She said, I went to LA to learn about the Song of Solomon's. When I came to Christchurch here 20 years ago, some of you may be aware of that figure, um, I found a group of people, some of the youth group, who had never been to Hanma Springs. I found people in the church who had never been up to the top of Mount Hutt. I found people in the church whose holidays were very, very close to where they live within biking distance. I holiday in Wangarei. And Nairi Button did something a few years ago. Where are you? I saw you, Nairi. A few years ago, you, you decided you wanted to go to a colour conference and Hillsong wasn't far enough away, Australia, and you went to London to go to it. Good on you. I I believe, and and this isn't on the run sheet, but I believe for people who... See, God says, this is what I ask you to do. I ask you to believe. Some doing might come after you believe, but the essence of what takes us into the will of God is will we believe? And now we see people from this church travel all over New Zealand for different things. We see people like Steve traveling to London from time to time in work situations. Would you like to go to LA? Would you like to go to London? See, God, God's not overly worried. Jeanette goes to Thailand and yet she's retired and living on super. 
Do you see what I'm saying? There's possibilities in God where he doesn't actually mind the expense. What he really is after is will we believe? Will we believe? You know, I just think today is a good day to say to God, God, I'm up for whatever. I'm up for what you want. And if it's via LA, pick me. Look, honestly, years ago, I felt God say, I, I want you to go to Korea. And so I started praying, and the end result was I had a certain date when I needed $1,000 because I had to pay for the tickets. Told you how long ago it was. And on that day, the $1,000 arrived, and I went to Korea. God's cool. God's amazing. Someone here said he's... It, Rowan said, everything I thought when I was a Christian, most of that was wrong about what, about uh, when I was a non-Christian. Most of that was wrong about what God is like and what, what, how good he is and, and what his will is for us. It's bigger, it's better, it's more amazing than we can ever imagine. Exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond is somewhere in the scripture, isn't it? Exceedingly, abundantly, above that. Everything I can think of, God can do bigger, better, beyond, more amazing. You know, I'm so, so glad Morris and Miriam, when they came to the church here, decided that they would come to Bethel with us um, this year. We had this opportunity to go have a trip with them together and, and, and just, man, it was so much fun to be with people that I've looked up to for, for just so many years, to be able to travel with them and go somewhere with them. Where do you want to go? Because the will of God isn't stay home, stay the size you are, only think the thoughts that you think right now. The will of God is bigger and better and beyond what God wants. And it may be into the homes right around where you live, or it may be something completely different to that. But if we'll reach out to God, if we'll listen to him and follow the things that he says to us, Next year could be the best year of our lives. Anyway, I'm going to hand over to Robert. Can I just get you to stand just for a moment and then sit down? Just have a stretch and then sit. Uh, the kids can duck out as well. If you have, if you're going out to the children's program, make sure that you've filled out your voting forms and hand them in uh, to maybe this around the sound desk area there to Robert Holland as you go out. We've got our grandniece with us today, so she's going out for the first time. Just echoing what John said before, I've got a, one of the I've got lots of declarations I do these days, and one of them that I do is I believe in Jesus to go from earth to heaven. I believe like Jesus to bring heaven to earth. Why don't you try that? Declare that over your life now. I believe in Jesus to go from earth to heaven. I believe like Jesus to bring heaven to earth. It's good. And you know, when we went to Bethel, just a little aside, we uh, again 
you know, we found a big chunk of money that we didn't know we had. <laughs> and we were able to buy William a guitar that he wanted, which was pretty cool, which we, we didn't think we could do. Anyway, moving on to the uh, HL AGM business part of it. So on Thursday night, we had a meeting here. Everyone was welcome to come. We had a great discussion around some questions around that. Um, and that is our habit of our discussion time. So that was there. So this morning is kept pretty simple. The first thing we need to do is just approve scrutineers. So Deborah, I think, has arranged some scrutineers. Can we let, just let people know who that is? So it's Donna, Marie, Jess and Mike. Okay, so can we just have a show of hands that people are happy for those people to be scrutineers? I think that is passed pretty easily. Okay, the second thing we need to do is adopt the annual report and financial accounts for the previous year. So I'm going to move that we adopt the um, report and financial accounts. Can I have someone second that, please? Newton is second it. Uh, yeah, that's what Thursday night's for. No, that's what we have during the during the week. Sorry. Um, so, can we have a, a for can we have a show of hands for those who are approving the budget and financial report? Those who are against it. Cool. So that is passed. Uh, the next thing we're doing is actually voting on the the actual budget for the coming year, which we're already um, a wee way into, by the way. Uh, but we do need to do this formally, and we have to vote for the budget. What we're voting for is that we agree, as a church, that we'll commit to giving $7,000 a week for the running of the finances of the church. That's what we're voting for. You've all got a form. On there, you'll see that there's two areas to tick. One is whether it is a yes or a no, and the other is whether you're a member or non-member. If you're a non-member, we do run membership courses, but you're a bit late for this vote. So if you can uh, make your vote now and pass those across to the aisle, and the scrutineers will pick those up and go and do the counting, and we'll be able to find out at the end of the service. Uh, Deborah, did we get some pens? Uh, there's a whole lot of pens down the back there. Um, Deborah, if you can pass those round, that would be good. Okay, if the scrutineers are picking those votes up.
Did anyone not get a form? Just making sure everyone's... Okay, I think we are... We're good. Anyone still got a form needing to be picked up? Awesome. Okay, it gives me great privilege to introduce our brief speaker <laughs> this morning who, um, after church, we're celebrating 20 years with John and Sandra, so do stay for that, uh, share food together, but let's, let's welcome John to the stage. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. And we're running really well for time, so, so it's really good. You know, last, last year, at, as part of our vision, I chose the, the, what I believe is the central aspect of our vision about getting on the front foot with the gospel. And um, in this last 12 months, you know, I, I think we've seen a shift take place, certainly at a leadership level, because we've been talking about how we're doing and we've been trying to encourage one another and um, ask, you know, tell us the stories of um, the latest time you were sharing the gospel with someone. And it's surprising when you know you're going to a meeting when that's going to be the first question um, about how you're looking around to see if there's anyone that you can actually share the gospel with. And we have, have seen some real change take place and we've had some great uh, seminars with Steve Bryant and also Russell Watts in that time. Um, and this year follows on from it. And it really fits in incredibly well to what I've just been preaching last week. Um, and if we want to see Jesus-type fruit, the sort of things happen that happened around Jesus, then the message and the method must be the same message and method that Jesus was actually using. That makes sense, doesn't it? That, that we have to be talking about the kingdom, um, which is what Jesus was talking about. Jesus wasn't just trying to get people saved and to have an eternity in heaven with him. He was seeking to find followers who would, through their life, seek to be able to bring heaven down to earth until such time as they got a promotion. And that's the call of what um, we are wanting to bring to ourselves as a church today. The focus is all about following Jesus picking up his vision and the supernatural tools that he gave to be able to do his vision and bring heaven's resources down to earth with the authority, to, like um, Trudy was saying, to be able to actually make a difference. So I want to begin a message that I'll pick up again at a, another stage. I really just want to give you my first point, um, and I'll do the rest uh, probably uh, early next year. If you've got your Bibles, just turn up Luke chapter 4, verses 14 to 30. Honestly, I find that opening the Bible and reading it myself, whether it's on the phone or whether it's in a hardcover Bible, helps to impress it within my mind and to be able to remember it. This is what it says. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread everywhere throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everybody... Was, uh, praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. Okay? He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. Jesus just had this normal custom. On the Sabbath day, he went to church. And he stood up to read. 
And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Would you say that with me? Good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of, his fa- of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down because they would sit down to teach a, a rabbi. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened onto Jesus. And he began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Now, folks, that was Jesus' manifesto. That was Jesus' vision statement for what the kingdom looked like. He would be all about bringing freedom to people. People who were in prison in some sort of way, literal or figurative. And he would be healing people that were sick. And he would be helping people who were oppressed. And that, if you read the the rest of the volume about Jesus, is exactly what he did. He just went out and did it time after time after time. And this is my point today. Jesus' mandate or vision for what the kingdom looks like and what he was going to do is also the same mandate that, that is our mandate. What Jesus' mandate was is absolutely our mandate today. Whether we do it or not is a totally different thing. Right? Healing, helping, speaking about Jesus and the love of God. Whether we do that or not is a totally different thing. But Jesus' mandate was our mandate. Because if you you know your scriptures, you'll know that at the beginning of that chapter, it's the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. He's come out of the wilderness, he's just been tempted, and now he goes to his hometown, he gets the scroll and he says, I'm the literal fulfillment of this, my whole role is to set... um, uh, is to preach to the the poor, to speak to the poor, to bring good news to the poor. And then he goes in the very next chapter and he starts choosing people and he says, you... And you, and you, and he calls people to become followers of him, and he says, you're to do what I've been doing. So Jesus, the mandate we're reading about today, as we're thinking about that, we're thinking about how it affects us. And he says, the vision statement is, I came to do one thing, and that one thing is to proclaim good news to the poor. Now, people are poor for many reasons, and the scripture right there gives us three reasons. But actually, when you take in the wider context of the Bible, the the Bible says that people, everybody's poor. You can be poor because you have no money. Is anyone in that state today? Has anyone been in that state at some point in the past? I'm waving my hand flat out. We can be poor because we have no money. But the Bible says you can be rich and be poor too. You can have plenty of money and it's masking the fact that there's a poverty in your spirit because there's a poverty in everyone's spirit. We can be poor spiritually, have no awareness of who God is and how how he works and what he's doing in the world at all. We can be poor relationally. We can have very few friends. There's a poverty in everybody. And so when he says, my vision, my one thing I'm to do is to proclaim good news to the poor, it's really everyone. Money rich or money without. Everybody. 
And then he names three reasons why people are poor. He says they can be poor because they have no money. Oh, sorry, he says they can be poor because they're a prisoner. You know, when you get into prison, you are there because 99% of the time, because you did something yourself. 99% of the people are in prison because of something they did, right? Hello? And so we can, we can find we are poor because of things that we've actually done. We can end up in a literal prison, but there are people out there, there may even be some within here, to some degree it might be every one of us, we're in a, a poorish situation because of something we've actually done. And, G, and we can go out into the community and we can find people who are in such trouble and you look at their lives and you think, how did you get there? And they say, well, I did this and I did that. And you go, well, they've made such a mess. It's possible to make such a mess of our lives that we end up in a poor situation by our own doing. Yeah. And we can think, well, you know, there's even a, even a saying, well, you make your bed, you lie in it. And feel we can just walk away. But Jesus says, no, come back. Focus on this person, no matter whether they got there by their own means or not. We as Christians, the mandate is to help this person. Proclaim good news to them. And then people can be in poverty by, by something that they've, has had nothing to do with what they've done at all. Sickness is an example of this. If sickness comes on a person's life, it's not because of things that they've done in their life. They are just sick. And Jesus says the mandate now is heal them. Take the time. Take the risk. Pray for them. Heal them. Bring, release the power of above into the now situation. There's plenty of people walking in casts through the mall this afternoon. If you want to go find them, you won't have to go to many malls before you find someone. There's a poverty that can come. And Jesus says the mandate for a Christian is go and pray for them. Heal them. And then, he, then there are people who, who ha, are in poverty because they have been actually oppressed. Sometimes by the systems of society, they've lost their voice. They've lost their resources. They don't have the ability to even stand and speak for themselves. And so we have people who, who uh, the, the mandate for us as Christians is to get alongside those people and become their voice and to go to whatever agency is needed to be able to see help come to them. Yeah, it's really necessary. You know, this mandate and method of speaking and healing and helping, Jesus absolutely owned it. And it's often called by scholars, biblical scholars, word, sign, and deed. The kingdom is all about word, sign, and deed. The gospel is sharing Jesus, the message of Jesus, the hope of Jesus, but it's also praying for and releasing the power of God into someone's life, and it's doing practical things to help a person in any way that we're able to do. And the gospel is most powerful when those three things are held together, word, sign, and deed. Jesus preached to those in need of forgiveness. If they were imprisoned in invisible chains, then Jesus preached to them. Last week as I was speaking, someone sketched a picture in worship. Instead of maybe singing, they were sketching. And they came up and showed me afterwards. And, and they had a picture of an elephant with a chain on it. And, and we all know the story of an elephant when it's, when it's a baby. It's chained to a big block of concrete and it 
tries when it's young, when it gets older, they can take the chain away and they can take the uh, block away, but the elephant won't go outside the boundaries that it's learned it can't move past because it's now in here. And Jesus spoke to people who were in prisons. They were in prisons in their own thinking. And, and, and he, he set people free. And, and he healed those that were sick or he healed those that were demonized. And he gave practical help of food and clothing to those that were in need. And all of these things are redemptive. And all of them demonstrate the, the um, good news of the kingdom. And this is the mandate, not just for Jesus, but it's for us. It's for every single believer. But it's so hard to consistently live this way. Word, sign, and deed. So many situations. You're out at a party somewhere and some opportunity to be able to share something about Jesus comes up. And we try another conversation. As I said, someone in the mall who, who's obviously got injury... Maybe next week, God. Practical help where we could give up a Saturday and we could help that person where the grounds are over, overflowing or, or they're shifting on such and such a date, but will we reschedule what we're doing so that we'll make the time available to actually go there and do it? It's hard to put all these, all three of them together. And so what, what the church has historically so often done is sections of the church have treated it like multi-choice. I'll take number three. We'll take number one. And the evangelicals have said, we'll proclaim the story of the gospel, but we don't want to have anything to do with those swinging on chandelier people called Pentecostals and the power of God. And we're certainly not going to do that social gospel stuff. And the Pentecostals have said, we'll go after the power and I've never been in a service where anyone swung on a chandelier. In fact, I haven't been in a church with a chandelier. But it's a common thought. And the liberals have said, well, we don't even believe that Jesus is the Son of God, but we like the helping people ideas and we'll get involved with doing that. And when I got saved in 1972, whole strands just did one of the church just did one thing and not the other two. Praise God, in the last 40 years, God has brought those things together. And he said, no, 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 no. Let's bring these together. And you find churches in every denomination embracing all three to a degree. But you know, even today, it's so tempting to try and separate them out. You know, in our movement, in the Baptist movement, we have trusts. Many churches within our movement, probably two-thirds of the churches in our movement have trusts. And it's easy for people that work in trusts to think that their job is to do the practical stuff. And it's the, the church's job to share the gospel and pray for people. That's the work of the church. And we're just going to be involved in just sharing this sort of practical stuff. And it's so easy for people in the church to think, well, I don't have to do any of the practical stuff because I don't know what the trust does, but I'm sure they're helping people. And they think, we just, all we need to do is just be in church and worship and, and give some money and, and someone somewhere will be sharing with other people about the love of Jesus. Don't know who they think is doing it. 
And it's so easy for us to say, I'm just going to pick option one. Or I like option two. But God says, no. This is what every Christian is to be about. Sharing about the love that Jesus has for people, where the opportunities come up to talk about that sort of thing. Praying for people when, when, uh, when, when they're in difficult circumstances and wanting, needing to see miracles or needing to see healing take place. You know, it's so hard to pray for people out there when you've never even done it in here. And that's why in here is so important because there's going to come a time when God goes, tip, and you're out there needing to do it. And taking the time and sharing our availability in practical ways with people. This is for everybody within the church. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It means we're going to have his same mission, that every single person counts. You know, you might say, well, if I got the opportunity, Todd, would you be able to come up now? That'd be great. You know, you might say, well, if I got the opportunity, I don't even know really what the gospel is. If I get in that sort of situation, I just feel absolutely lost for words and I'll say this and that and all sorts of other things. Well, I put these signs up here because it is the best simple visual thing. And if you, if you see it as a visual thing, you're able to retain it and remember it so much easier. But this is the gospel in the most simple form that I've found. But there are lots of ways of displaying it. But if you can remember a heart, and someone says, well, look, tell me what is the gospel? Well, you can talk to them about the fact that God loves them, that God's for them, not against them. But there's a problem in every human being, and that problem is that we've got sin on the inside. We've got this gene problem within us that we sometimes prefer to do wrong rather than right. And it's there in every person, every race, whether they're tiny. No one ever teaches children how to break windows or how to do something wrong or how to throw their food at, at the mother and father. You know, it's just there. We like this. We've got this problem. And God saw it. And God's answer was the cross. God said, man can't fix himself, so I'll do something to fix him. And Jesus came and he died on the cross to be able to bring forgiveness. What a simple three-picture presentation of what the gospel is. You tell someone that in a, a minute or three minutes or whatever time you actually have, and you've given the Holy Spirit something to be able to work with in that person's life in the weeks that go on. And hopefully you'll get a phone call and say, hey, can we talk again? This time I'll buy the coffees. <laughs> and the question mark is, so... What are you going to do with that information? You may get the opportunity to ask that question straight away, or you may get it another time. But then there's the fact of God wants us to be able to pray for people and see them healed. And I've asked Todd if he'd share that same testimony of being prayed for and being healed, because it just is a great illustration of the way God does it. Thanks, John. Um... Yeah, I gave a testimony last week and uh, it was during a time when a lot of people were actually practicing healing and uh, praying for healing, so a few people missed it, but um, it's about four or five weeks ago on a Sunday here, on a Saturday I woke up and I had a pain, which is unfortunately familiar pain in my back, um, right on my shoulder, back at the bottom of my shoulder blade, and I've had it twice before. And the first time um, it happened, I was out of action for uh, about four weeks, five weeks. 
Um, I couldn't work. I had, my boss had to come down and actually drive me back from Timaru where it happened. I couldn't even drive at that stage. Um, second time it happened was only last year, early last year. Um, and I went to my doctor and I, because I thought something was seriously wrong. I couldn't move um, and all sorts of pain. And he said, listen, there's nothing that we can do about it. It's just, it's a repetitive strain injury. Showed me exactly where it happens on my back. And he said, all you can do is get off work and wait. And I, was, I couldn't get off work. So uh, instead of it taking two weeks to heal, it took about six weeks to heal. And I just had to take a lot of drugs over that time, which I was extremely grateful for, but I, I lived in pain. Couldn't sleep, couldn't sit down, couldn't stand up without it hurting. When I woke up, <laughs> Uh, four or five weeks ago on the Saturday and I felt this pain in my back. I just couldn't believe it. It's, it's been so good for so long. And I've got quite a physical job and we're going into the busiest time of year. And we're now in the busiest time of year. And I just thought, this can't happen. This is not, not going to happen. I can't do it. And I just felt sick. And um, so that day I just spent in pain. Woke up the next day, Sunday, came along to church and I'd taken the required amount of drugs so I could actually walk and pick up my guitar and, and uh, wasn't going to stop me praising. And after we finished practice, I went into the prayer meeting and there was a few words given out in that prayer meeting and I was just like hoping, yes, hopefully it's going to be about a back, it's going to be back, it's going to be healing of the back and it's going to be on the right side. And there were four or five um, words directly about the back that day in the meeting and then there was a specific word about the right side, and then Heather gave, gave a specific word about healing and, uh, sorry, about hurting uh, the right side of the back and feeling it was so bad that you felt sick. And I just thought, yes, yes, finally. And I've been in meetings a lot of the time and sat down here and heard words that are relevant to me and not put my hand up. I haven't done anything about it and just thought, no, not me. Not, I must be for someone else. But this time I was going for it. So I grabbed Heather as soon as we got out of the prayer meeting. I couldn't wait for the service. And as I said, Heather, what you said, um, you know, is bang on. And I said, and she's, you know, being, being Heather, just said, right, gathered, gathered a crew around her. And suddenly there were six, seven people praying for me. Heather went into all of her medical terms, being a doctor. It's like Simon, it's always being nice being prayed by a doctor. It feels just that little bit more legitimate or something. <laughs> a little bit more authentic. And it's just like, well, if he's praying for healing, it's got to be. But um, I felt a little bit of shift right at the time, came in, worshipped, felt a little bit better. Of course, I'd taken drugs that morning, so it was like, had a little bit of movement and stuff. Went home that afternoon, and it just sort of felt better and better all day. When I got up on Monday morning, nothing, not an ounce of pain, nothing at all. It was my back completely healed, and it's just like, even today, I haven't had a, a twinge of pain since um, in that area, and my back's been absolutely perfect, and it's just like, it's it's healing, you know, and it's like God heals. God healed that day and he healed me and it's just stayed there. And it's just like praising and being able to talk about it with people is, is fantastic. But it's, um, you know, I was just sitting down there before thinking, you've got to put your hand up as well. So it, it's, you know, I think it's important. God didn't, Jesus didn't heal by osmosis. And when he was walking around, he asked people what was wrong with them. So we've talked about the last couple of weeks. People gave him specifics, but he, he prayed for them. He didn't, it didn't happen through osmosis. The healing in the Bible that we read didn't happen through osmosis. It doesn't happen through osmosis today. But, John, can I have one more minute and just You're say doing well. there's been two, two more healings that have been really powerful in my life um, since I've been at this church. One of them, two and a half years ago, I, I broke mentally and emotionally. And John uh, very quickly got me in touch with Morris and Morris Atkinson, and uh, he started walking alongside me and uh, introduced me to theophostic prayer and a form of healing 
that I'd never encountered before. And, you know, two and a half years later, um, I'm completely and utterly healed. I'm yes. more emotionally well than I've ever been. Um, God did a lot over that time. Morris instigated a lot of healing and walking with, you know, with Morris through that time. Miriam, I spoke to you briefly about it last week, but it's just, you know, it was the most amazing uh, memory I have um, over the last couple of years. And then there was another healing that took place, and this just took place um, a couple of months ago. Uh, there'd been a rift uh, developed between myself and, and certain uh, leadership of the church. Um, don't really know how it happened or why it happened. Um, but I had gone away from the church and God spoke to me quite clearly one day and just said that there needs to be a healing and through the time of Morris's passing, it hit me really heavily that I need to be here, I need to be with John and Sandra and I need to do something about it and God said there needs to be a healing and you need to speak out again <laughs> and uh, so I text John that day and uh, we ended up getting together on the Sunday and share on the Saturday at John's house and sharing communion, and there was a healing that took that place took place that day, uh, like nothing I've ever read about. So, um, and that ended up me being back here with a guitar and playing with Sandra and and uh, listening to John again. So, you know, God is good and God heals. Bless you, mate. Bless you. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> The more we hear these stories, the more faith rises. Yeah. The more faith rises, the more we're able to step out into new and slightly more and slightly more and slightly more. And it feels like we're doing this. <gasps> but we can get out there. Willing to just share what we can in appropriately into people's lives. Taking the risks of praying for people is where we're going as a church and seeking to see the power of God come down. But Ginny spoke so, so well about this amazing thing called Parenting Week, which um, those pictures came, came up of 2,300 and someone people there. Isn't that amazing? Such a need in our society in a practical way for how do you do this? How do you, how do you parent, um, you know, young people today and, and, and survive and, and see them grow to become these great young people that we all want them to be. And, and here's this practical thing that we're doing as a church, which we're going to continue to do in so many different ways. But you know, when they're just, each of these is standalone, the power is down here. But when all of us embrace all three, when all of us embrace all three, if there's someone who needs hope in their life, the best hope we can give them is to talk to them about the change Jesus has made personally for us. You know what it's like to be hopeless, to feel hopeless, not to be hopeless. You know what that's like. You've been there. And if we're willing to share this heart with them of God's heart towards them and how he's changed you, it can make a difference like that in someone's life. And if you're willing to take the risk of praying for people, and if you're willing to take the part of setting up things in any sort of way to help people, and, they, and you're, you're very upfront with the fact of why the motivation is that Jesus loves that person, man, the power comes together. Yeah. And this is the vision that Jesus has for his followers. So this has to be the vision that we have for ourselves as a church as we go into 2018. Are you willing to sign up with Jesus again for what could be the best year of your life?
following him. Amy, please come. this morning. Um, just as John was talking, um, I think this one of the songs we sang this morning, Momentum, really fits with that. The chorus said, our God is moving and his love is unstoppable.